acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Pridecast with Jonathan Bennett and James Vaughn on iHeartRadio. All right, everyone, stand by. This is the real deal. This is it in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Pridecast on iHeart. I'm your host, Jonathan Bennett, and I am joined with my husband, James Vaughn. We are here to give you your weekly dose of love, laughter, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration. And to what, James? To remind people to what? Be proud of who you are. To be proud. I mean, it's Pride Month. This, I mean, this is the reason for the season, guys. This is this is why we woke up today, because it is Pride Month. It is the gayest month of the year, and I love it. Oh, baby, I love it too, but I'm a little nervous about what we're going to talk about today, because you're already so Wait, first, excited. I'm so excited, but before we go into <laughs> it, because I, it's, it's Pride Month, and we're talking about the gayest thing in the world on this podcast, and then on top of that, I have to tell everyone what I did to our lights out front of our house we have all these little lights that like shine up on our like bushes yeah you know baby, we have like 20 of them my baby loves his pride so if you haven't seen on the instagram and the tiktok what we did to our truck for pride we covered our nissan in um rainbow flags but then also on our bushes i found a way to change our lights to colors and then i found a way to make them flash so there's like 20 lights out front of our house that look that are just multicolored and they're all changing at different times and it looks so tacky and i love it it's just such like a pride celebration and we have the gayest house in the world <laughs> the tacky on we the we're gay there, baby. our house is gay our dog is straight our dog loves loves football loves football and girls but other than that, this is the gayest house in the world. And we love it. We're so proud we love of it. it. It is the gayest episode ever because we can are talking it? about. Can I say it? Can I say, say it? Say who's on the show today. Can I just, can I just take yes. this thunder from you? Yes. So you just have a minute to take a breath because I know you're going to be so excited Ooh, you might on, burst into my, glitter. My iced coffee. Hold on. Everyone Please knows this sound. Hey, gays, this is my calling for all of you. Calling all gays. Calling all gays. Baby. Put That's the, the sound of the iced coffee. And back away from the microphone. Calling all gays. Okay, Our guest on. today on Pridecast is Broadway legend, superstar, director, choreographer, creator, producer. you name it. 
Jerry Mitchell, which means we are going to be talking about musicals. It's the musical <laughs> episode. It's about musicals. And if you don't like musicals, don't hang up or change your podcast. <laughs> Keep listening because we're going to talk about a lot of other things, but we have to talk about musicals. Babe, do you remember the first musical you ever saw? Wait, look, I got to give everybody a little backstory here. If you haven't followed Jonathan up to this point, Jonathan eats, sleeps, and breathes musicals. He is a music theater gay in every sense of the word. He, he, he listens to musicals to relax, listens to musicals to get hype, listens to yep. musicals in the shower. He listens to musicals basically anytime I'm not in I the I listen room. to musicals at the gym. Like yeah. everyone thinks I'm listening to like probably like, you know, pop music or rock music. I'm listening to Hairspray. All right, so let's back it up. You asked me the first Your musical. Your first musical. First musical I ever saw? Yeah. First musical I ever saw. We talked about this on Pridecast before. I think mine was at a church. Mine was one of the church musicals, and the angels were flying in the air, singing about Jesus being born. And I just remember thinking, like, man, these queens are really living their life. Suspended from the ceiling, like, like just free to to sing and, and dance and I mean and, no offense but that's not a that's not a musical babe that's a church production but that's the and it's first dumb. time I saw yeah but like a that's not a real musical where like they were singing Ugh, and dancing boring. and living their life what was I'm your first a, musical damn Yankees I no no I'm sorry 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 no no I saw anything goes at my high school when I was in seventh grade. My mom, no, no, I'm sorry. When I was in sixth grade, my mom took me to the high school production of Anything Goes, and I sat there glued to the seat, and I remember seeing all the people coming out dancing to the same song, doing the same choreography, and I looked at my mom, and I go, what is this? And she's like, it's a musical. And I was like, how do they know to do all that? And I was so confused and I didn't understand like improv. I was like, does someone tell them what to do? How do they do it all together? And I was, I wanted to understand it. And then she went and bought the VHS copy of anything goes from the high school and took me back to see it. It, it aired two weekends and I went every single show, every single matinee and night performance. I went to every single performance of it. And that's when I got bit by the musical theater gay gene. And so that was the first time you saw one. Fast first musical now, I was in. Because we were both in musicals. Yes. So what's the first musical you were ever in? Um, I was, well, first musical I was ever in was in seventh grade where I played the mayor of the Munchkin City in the Wizard of Oz production in Burlington, North Carolina, the community theater Wizard of Oz production. And um, you were small enough to be a Munchkin. I was a, I was so a mayor tall. of the Munchkin because I was a tall little little homosexual yeah. and so they put me in a glittery hat and the lion was drunk every night he was totally drinking like just whiskey out of a flask backstage <laughs> glenda was like having sex with like the tin man it was like a whole situation backstage. it no just like in Behind general it was like a whole okay. drama and it was it was so much fun but then the first musical i was in was damn yankees and damn yankees was like my first time was actually in a show where i like performed what role did you play um i was the bat boy what does that mean? Uh, no that. lines, just part of the chorus. Wait, did you get to like sing and dance? And Obviously, live your life? yes, but I wasn't talented enough to actually like have a solo or anything. So they just put me in with like the ba baseball players. However, I was a freshman, so I couldn't. Or I was an eighth grader, so I couldn't actually be a baseball player because I looked too young. So they just put a little outfit on me and called me the Bat Boy, and I was just kind of in the back. All I didn't care. I was on stage and I was tap dancing and I was living my best gay life, hunty. Oh, wow. I always wonder what would have happened if I had known you back then. 
Well, like when our love is blossomed the way not, it is. probably not have been attracted to me. Well, baby, because what? I don't think you know this. What? I was I was a musical theater gay back then too. Lies. Because no, no that was weren't. where I found my way to express myself. So as soon as I got to the high school, I went to the, the high school so I could do the musicals and perform in the show choir. And so my first musical, do you know what it was? Um no. I think you know this. I think I've told you. What? Guys and dolls. Ugh. Which I'm not entirely sure was appropriate for a high school production. What? Based on Adelaide and the Hotbox Girls. That, have you it not, was a little. Not, they mean, were kind of doing the most. Rock? Guys they, and Dolls is like the most done I'm musical in all high school I'm just saying they were doing the most at my school. The dress code was not followed by the Hotbox Girls is all I'm saying. But I played a character named. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to even do it. <laughs> he had a New York accent. And Jonathan knows I'm terrible at accents. Do it. I was Benny South Street. Okay, we have to get Jerry and, Mitchell on the on the because no, this no. is just gonna go south. But I sang the title song. He's the character that sings the title song with the other guy who's named um No, this is embarrassing. His name James. is this is so embarrassing. Nicely we have Broadway nicely. legend, like multi Tony Award winning, drama desk. Like every award winning, I can't person. have my music theater moment, can I? You can. No, no, no. You, you gonna blast right name. through it. You can't even remember the name of the musical. I am recalling. A poignant I can name time any in my character life. in any musical. I can tell you their backstory. I can tell you what they sing. I can probably tell you when they come on stage. I did, all right. Then when does Benny Salstry first come on stage in Guys and Dolls? He doesn't because no. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I have no. I don't remember. I just remember he sang the title song, and I just remember I had a crush on the guy that I sang that song with, and we had the it's like the the first big like number right, and you get to the very last note of the song, and it's and it's, it, that's when it finally splits, and like you're doing harmonies together, right? And I looked over. <laughs> Him on opening night, never messed it up ever. Opening night, and baby, if I didn't go into a key that was not in anywhere in that musical, and the way he looked at me, and I was I was mortified. Um, so that was my big shining Benny South Street moment. The next two nights I got it right though. We had three nights of performances, but uh, well, that's pretty gay. And speaking of other things that are gay, Jerry Mitchell is joining us. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, we're going to bring on Broadway legend Jerry Mitchell right after this. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. 
about $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What the hell is happening? Ah, no, that Wait, voice. Wait, where I hear the voice, I see the face. Oh my God. Jerry Mitchell is in the house. Happy Pride, Jerry. Happy Betty Boop Day. <laughs> oh, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I, um, I just got home from a workshop. Uh, today was presentation day of a new musical based on the ca- comic cartoon character Betty Boop. Oh, Wait. so it literally is. Uh, it's, it's presentation Betty Boop Day. Presentation of Betty Boop Day today and tomorrow. It's a brand new musical written How by How you feel David about it? David Foster. Heard of him. Oh my god. We gosh. love a good David Foster. David Foster and uh, Bob Martin and Susan Birkenhead. And uh it's really good. I mean, we've got a long ways to go, but you always do on these things. And so we finished the presentation and we kept talking and meeting and talking and meeting. And I just walked in the door and then I saw your email and went, Oh shit, I missed I No, missed- you didn't miss it, Jerry. We would sit How around- are you married people? We're married. So good. We're married. And the only difference is we go to the bathroom with the door open now. We do you not. Know, that is not allowed. That's what married and life that is. will never be allowed. Stop trying <laughs> to make that happen. It's not going to happen, baby. Well, Ricky and I have had left the door open for years. Honey, if I had a nickel, you know? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Last week, we had Nina West, your Edna Turnblatt in Hairspray the Tour uh, with us. And now we have Jerry Mitchell with us, who is a Broadway legend. Now, Jerry, wait, do you remember? I remember the first time I met you, which I have to. I Were you about to, to say that? Do you remember the first time you no, met I, me? I, he doesn't you... remember, but I remember the first time <laughs> I, I met him. I remember the first time I met both of you. I re- wait, okay, stop. the first time I met you. Well, James, you tell him the first. No, t- no, no, go ahead, baby. Go okay, ahead, the first time I met you was at the Pantages Theater. Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots. And I went and saw Kinky Boots. At the Pantages, and I am the biggest, like, to say I'm a Jerry Mitchell fan is an understatement. To say I'm a musical fan is the understatement of the universe. So I was, like, in my element already. Like, my endorphins were through the roof. And I remember you're standing there in, like, the little meet and greet after opening night of Kinky Boots at the Pantages. And I come over to you, and I'm like, hi, 
I nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. And you go, I voted for you on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and I literally was like, oh, my God, you know who I am? And I like almost started crying. And then I was t I remember telling you, I was like, I was like, I want to be Laura Bell Bundy. When I get married, I want to come out of the stage in a pink box and enter my wedding how she did in Legally Blonde. I want to be Elle Woods. And you say to me, you go, well, Laura Bell Bundy's standing right over there if you want me to introduce you to her. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't. And like, I start breaking out in hives under my clothes. And you're like, okay, I'll walk you over. So you walk me over and I meet Laura Bell. And the only thing that I could say to her was, I want to come out of the floor like you in Legally Blonde at my wedding. That was all I could muster. That was it. That's we the could only have made that, that happen. We could have made that happen. I've been to the place in Mexico where you guys got married. I've you went to, to Unico? Place. I've been to that. I, I was up the up the street at Ro up the beach at Rosewood Mayacoba, but I went to that hotel for dinner one night. Isn't Great. it beautiful? It's gorgeous. 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 I'm and you met Jerry at Chippendales. Well, I am so glad. Let's back up. I'm you were so nude. glad. <laughs> you were we nude also, when you we met We also had a Kinky Boots meeting. We did have a Kiki Boots ah. meeting. Um, we, we, had, we, had, we had several encounters. Uh, but I Is wanna, that what they're calling it nowadays? I want to back up, though, because like how, how would we have made a hydraulic stage happen at the beach? But this is what I'm most glad about. So Jonathan, from like the day we met, had told me that's how he wanted to get married, right? Like, this isn't a joke because of, like, we're friends with you. It's, it's like, for real. I've said this a million times. Go and on. all I could think was like, oh, my gosh, I am going to marry this guy. But how do I make sure that does not happen at our <laughs> wedding? There are so many places that's appropriate, but at our wedding, that is not appropriate. So I'm so glad this conversation is happening two months after our wedding because I know Jerry Mitchell and Jerry Mitchell would have found a way to make it happen. You would have done it. Made that would've happen. Would've I could full out, that. full out wedding. Full out. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry's tag on is full out and he would have made it full You would have just had out. to build up the sand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we, Jerry and I first met when uh, Peep Show was in Vegas and I was singing at Chippendales oh. and a bunch of y'all came over and I remember being so upset because Jerry Mitchell was coming to the show and I was like battling a week long like strep throat scenario where I had been using sick tracks to get through it. Your sick tracks are, for y'all that don't know, is you would actually play a track of you doing the show on another night and you would just basically lip sync to it. So it looked like you were still singing live. And I was like, no, Jerry Mitchell is coming. I will sing live. This will happen. And it wasn't that good. <laughs> But he's damn is he pretty with his shirt but off, isn't Jerry, he? But Jerry is so sweet. Jerry came Jerry. up to me after the but show I, and made a point to tell me how great the show was and how great I was. And I was like, girl, you lying through your teeth, but you are so sweet. Thank you. No, it was a great <laughs> show. I remember that show. But you know where I really remember us was when you interviewed Cindy and I for Kinky Boots. Cindy Lauper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. Were, we were there for the Kinky Boots opening in Vegas and you did the interview. Yep, that was when I was hosting OKTV and you guys came in and that was, I was just talking to Jonathan about this today at lunch about how sweet you are. And that was the moment when I realized truly the Jerry Mitchell factor Mm -hmm. uh, we have a friend, Tony Gonzalez, who is also a Broadway guy. And it's the same kind of, of thing. It's like the, the Tony. You know, yeah, you know, Tony. Mia, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing. Like everybody just wants to be around y'all. Everybody just wants to be in your presence. You're so warm and fun and funny. And uh, it's like, that's why Jerry is the man, because not only is he so smart and brilliant and creative, but like you just want to be around him. And you and Cindy in that interview, I remember being in stitches. Y'all let me try on the kinky boot. I couldn't quite get my size 14 in it, but I tried. And, <laughs> and that's the closest I'll ever get to that role. <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember Cindy adjusting all your lights. 
She, I, <laughs> but you, you she like, did. And she made the light right. We got to get the light right. But you know, she made them better, and we kept well, that did. set up from there on out. Her and Marie Osmond, those are the two people that on our show <laughs> adjusted the lights for us and made them better. Two icons who know their lighting. Her light was so good. I got a picture taken, and I still use that picture to this day. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, it's his Facebook photo. It's his <laughs> Instagram cover photo. He uses it for everything. When you get that I good one, you everything. use it, you know? Um, now, I'm wear Jerry, I'm wearing the hairspray T-shirt because I, I got this hairspray hairspray t-shirt when i went and saw the national tour of hairspray that is touring right now with our dear friend nina west and we heard last week on the show her tell us about you having you had your joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat moment you had a dream of her <laughs> and she, you said any dream will do and she said no no just this one and <laughs> i want to hear about this dream and how nina west so became to hairspray so I was a big, I, I've been a big fan of, of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. I've watched it all, you know, watched it for seasons and seasons and seasons. Same. And I even told Greg Barnes, I said, Greg, you got to watch RuPaul. Look at what the drag queens are wearing. Look what the kids are doing when we were creating Kinky Boots. And, and um, so the season Nina was on and she did Harvey Firestein for Snatch Game. Mm -hmm. And she was really, really good. And I just clocked that, right? Mm -hmm. And then she did a magic trick with like some canisters, very Vegas, like, you know, the magician's assistant kind of thing. And I remember it was so fucking funny. It was so funny. And I thought, and then we were, this, this tour of Hairspray was coming up. And so I called Jack O'Brien. I said, Jack, I think Nina West should play Edna. And he said, who's Nina West? And so I sent him all the stuff online of Nina to Jack. And he went and he loved the idea. And so uh, Adam flew in. He flew into New York and we had a proper audition. Uh, Matt Lenz was there, who's the associate director or co-director for Jack O'Brien and myself and Jack. And we put, put, put him through the paces and he was fantastic. And he left and we just said, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. He is cut from the cloth, you know, divine Harvey Nina. It just goes right down. But most importantly, he brings a genuine love and warmth to the role. And, and the other thing that was amazing about him was because it's a different experience to be in a musical and play a role. And, and Adam's had tons of musical theater experience and he kind of grew up in our world, but it's a big show. Mm -hmm. He's sort of the anchor of this tour. And he came to the, he came to the rehearsals and he came to the experience as if he knew nothing and wanted to learn and was willing to listen and and take that journey with um matt and michelle my associate choreographer and and jack and i and it's just it's wonderful to see how he has blossomed and made the role his own i couldn't be more proud of him and and his his he's really he's really delivering out on the road it's, he's really driven. It's when you see the show, and if you haven't seen it, they're 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 in a sit down right now. But the the tour starts back up. I think it will. By the time this airs, it's it's up and running again. You can go yeah. get tickets for hairspray. It's hairspraytour.com. Yeah, I think. I think hairspray. Yeah, hairspraytour.com. Just something. Google it. We live in Google. Google, Google the tour. Hairspray. Go see it. 
run, do not walk to see the national tour of Hairspray with Nina West. It's amazing. But when you see when you see him play the role, what I think it did, which what you said with you have Divine, Harvey, Nina, but the way you said you had, was it Jack? Watch, uh, yeah. watch RuPaul's and see what the kids are wearing. See what the kids are doing. Yeah. It's very much that. You see the new version of what Edna Turnblatt in 2022 is, right? You, it's, yeah. it's, it's got yeah. this, this you like youthfulness to it and kind of a reinvention while still keeping with the same tropes that you want when you see Edna, Edna play the role. You know, when you see Edna in Hairspray, you want her, you want certain things to happen and they happen, but they bring this new kind of fun drag energy to it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that's the thing that's also exciting for the show because Hairspray is 20 years old. Can you believe it? I know. I wasn't even born when it was first started. (laughs) Me Uh either. And um, so, so, you know, here it is out on the road. And yet Nina from RuPaul's is bringing a younger audience that liked her to see this musical. And the musical is being introduced to a whole new couple of generations new of young people who are coming to see and don't really know anything about it. They might know the movie. They might have seen it live. But to see a musical like Hairspray, live and in person in a theater, it's a completely different experience than seeing it on film or, you know, on TV. It's just live theater, man. Nothing There's like nothing it. Nothing like it. I mean, I can talk for two for hours about it. The, 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 when you see a Jerry Mitchell musical, it is, <laughs> I said this to James, I said this to James, you have, you have kinky boots, like my favorites, you have kinky boots, legally blonde hairspray, pretty woman, right? Like you see the musicals and when you, when you see it, it's the gayest most amazing thing in the world because it's everything you want a musical to be. It's like you leave singing the songs, you leave skipping, you 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 laugh, you cry, you're moved, and it's just big. It's over the top, but it's perfect. And and that's what all and the and the lead characters in each of them. You know, you have Lola, you you have Tracy, um, and what, what what's the third one? L L. Well, L, sorry, look, oh, L, and you that. see them, L Woods, obviously, but you see them. Oh my go, God! Um, I mean, we can talk about when I saw that for the first time. But that's a whole other story. But they, the characters, the leads, you watch them on their journey of trying to fit in and find their place in the world, and I think that's the common denominator in 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 all the leads. And I, but they're so they're such powerful characters, and they they go through such a growth in each musical. So you, you just. They're exactly what you want a musical to be when you see them. Yeah, because they find that their place in this musical, world is being themselves. The the lead of a musical is always a character who's a little bit larger than life. I mean, yeah. you know, or is dealing with something that's larger than life. I mean, I think that's easy to make them sing and dance. But also, most of the musicals that I'm attracted to in those stories that you've mentioned, they're musicals that I think the audience leaves with a sense of hope. I hope they leave with a sense of hope, you know, for something a little bit better than when they walked in. I mean, come on, that's that's something. When you walk out of the theater, you've been entertained and you leave with a sense of hope. I'll take that any day of the week. Any single day of the week. And I want to I was telling James about this because I have in each of the musicals, I have three. I, each of my three favorite musicals are Kinky Boots, Hairspray, Legally Blonde and Wicked or four. Those are my four favorites, right? Now yeah. I can ask you about three of them, but I will ask about the fourth too. But in each of them, there's always each Jerry Mitchell production. There's always something really special that is so minute and so stupid 
and so silly that it sticks with me. And it's my favorite part of the musical. It's my favorite part. I want to know part. what it is for and each I'm going to tell you my favorite parts oh, of each of your this, musical. Jerry. Are you ready? I want, Legally I'm Blonde. Legally Blonde, the choreography is so dumb when you, when, when the, when the girl, when she comes in and the, oh my God, you guys, the song, and the girl brings the new dress and all the girls go to the side of their mouth. They realize that the jig is up and they've caught the sales girl and it's not going to happen. The girls go, oh my God, oh my God, you guys. And then they're talking out the side of their mouth. And then when it gets to the point where she says, that they have the new dress and everything's happening and she changes into the new pink dress and it's the whole thing. The choreography, the girls are so stunned and so excited that they can't do anything except jump up and down and move their arms like an inch because they're so stunned and excited that they can't do it. And that's how I feel when I'm watching a Jerry Mitchell musical. I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, you guys. And that was the moment that I related to the girls on stage. I go, yes, you can get it. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you, I, I demonstrated it for them. I want, no, I was watching you do it. It's, it's my favorite part. Number two favorite part, Kinky Boots when she's singing into the air gun and her hair blows back. What's the name of the song? I, I'm too excited to think of it. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, when she takes the air gun and she blows it. Whose idea was that? Was that yours? Yeah. Oh, I mean, just and, a genius. And, but come on, it doesn't matter what you do. When you have Annalie Ashford to create a number. Bye. You're, you're done. You have the greatest comic, uh, you know, Clown, clown, heart, heart, clown with a heart in the in the world. Annalie Ashford, who was an original, my original Margot in Legally Blonde. Don't forget. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, so those are my two favorite parts of those musicals. We'll get to the next one. I want to know what are your favorite parts of each? Like, there's a little moment in Hairspray. There's a moment in Kinky Boots. There's a moment in Legally Blonde that happens. You, you, you're, it's your, they're all your babies, but what's your like one favorite moment of each of these musicals? I've always wanted to ask I, you. Every second of them. I mean, right. You come know, on, there's gotta be something that just sticks out where you go, oh, that always makes me chuckle. Really, really, really. There's so many <sighs> crazy moments that were created and just so many moments that were cut that were, you know, you end up cutting from shows that you think, oh, that's really great. And then it gets in front of the audience. It just dies and you go, I have to cut it. But, um, uh, you know, I, too many, too many favorite moments. Creating the conveyor belt number in Kinky Boots was a highlight. Being able to do the whole montage of le the Legally Blonde, all of those big sections, the Legally Blonde remix, the opening section, but the Irish dancing with Andy Carl and Orfe. I mean, you know, there were a lot of people who really didn't think it was funny. They said, nobody's going to laugh. And I went, mm -hmm, let's just wait and see what happens. Let's just wait and see. And of course, we got in front of an audience and they lost their shit. And I said, yeah, I think it's funny. And I think other people think it's funny, too. So you know, you just got to trust your gut and go with it. And, um, you know, hairspray, 
for me, the, the thing that was most exciting about Hairspray was being able to create that musical with Mark and Scott, who I was friends with for like 20 years before Hairspray happened, and to be able to be there with them on their very first Broadway musical, and then it become such a big, successful hit, that was just, you know, amazing. Yeah, so... See, and y'all talking musicals and all this Broadway stuff, but like, y'all remember, I'm a Vegas boy. I spent all that time in Vegas. I remember what a lot of y'all might not know. I'm gonna use my, I'm gonna use this voice to tell you. Uh, Jerry had an adult show in Las Vegas called Peep, Peep show. show. Yes, and on another level, it, like it just based it, this on, is how based on my Broadway Bears show. This is how Jerry Mitchell does a Vegas adult show. And the number for me that stood out in that, I still remember it. The way you did milkshake in that show, <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so good. Uh, the head, uh, it was it was it was a revealing number to say the least. Um, but we oh took, my god, we got we got in a milk tank and took a milk bath, um, <laughs> as one does but, in any Jerry Mitchell. Anytime you does. hang out with Jerry, you're in a milk bath because it's always like with Jerry, it's like okay, like what what you would normally do, and then Jerry like manages to find the thing that's like that times ten. I don't know where they find the budgets for these things, but they. I do. remember and, I remember was, flying into Vegas when I had the idea to put the girls in a tank of milk and <laughs> and Armando Farfan who works there and does all the apparatuses and the flying stuff and everything and he did he did all the stuff for like pink and and I said Armando I need somebody to build a milk tank that will hold the girls and they're gonna like push up against the glass and show pieces of them and then it'll disappear against the milk and he said let me call some people. You know those people who created the big fish tanks at Caesar's Palace when you go yeah. through the mall? I think they're the ones who built the milk tank. Because, you know, once you get a big tank and you fill it with water and milk, you know, that's a lot of pressure on the walls. And they had to and wait. Out yeah. And then people get in it. And how is it not just going to like bust apart and milk go all over the stage? They had to really do some some research on how to build that milk tank. Wait, Jerry, was this real milk in there every night? No, you know what it was? They went to Costco and bought those big things of creamer, uh, uh, creamer like fried. <laughs> yeah. And yep. they, would put a, they would put water in and then fill it with creamer and they had to put a heater in. So when the girls got in, it wasn't too cold. Oh, it was a whole. It was a whole, whole situation. That's why everybody at Peep Show has such good skin. Exactly. They were bathing in creamer every night. Uh, exactly and you know what and it was based on it was based on your legendary show broadway bears which we're going to talk about when we get right back writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts All right, we are with Broadway legend Jerry Mitchell, and we were just talking about how his show in Vegas, Peep Show, was based off of Broadway Bears, Gosh, which a is a legendary event that happens in New York City for, what, 30 years now, 20 years? What is it? This is going to be the 30th anniversary show this year. This year. But we and did- for people listening that might not know, can you explain to them everything about what Broadway Bears is? I was in a little show called The Will Rogers Follies. It was the last show I danced in on Broadway. And I was in the opening production number. I was one of the Wranglers, but I also was the Indian of the Dawn. And I danced in this Zigdill production number with a headdress, bells on my wrists, bells on my ankles, and nothing on my backside. So my bum was basically on stage on Broadway every night for the whole audience to see. And, and if you've seen the photos of jerry back then you understand that's why, why he's so popular go on yes, i was i was a, i had a very popular bum back then body was and, snatched. Um, and you know yeah, i was snatched and you know broadway broadway um the zigfeld follies you know the girls used to get diamonds and sapphires and flowers sent back to them well during the will rogers follies I was getting the diamonds and sapphires. Hey. I got I got a diamond and sapphire necklace sent to me backstage from Valentino. Okay. And other gifts. From Jerry other, Mitchell's ass was that good, guys. Other admirers sent me yeah. gifts. But um, and it was lovely and very sweet. And you know, we got to meet and it was lovely. But um, 
but I basically um, just realized, oh, and my my dressing roommates, we were trying to raise money for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS at the time. And um, uh, some, and you know, you can only do so many bake sales, right? right? So somebody said, you should go dance on the bar at Splash downtown in that costume and raise some money for Broadway Cares. And literally a light bulb went off over my head. I had never choreographed a Broadway show yet. I wanted to choreograph a Broadway show, but I was trying to look for that opportunity. So I called some friends. I put together my version of the Chippendales or Magic Mike on stage at Splash, eight guys. We made $8,000. I said, I can do this better. I'll add girls. We made $17,000 six months later. I said, I can do this better. I'll add a theme. A year later, we did the third Broadway Bears. We made $37,000 at Bump USA. And it just kept building and building. And it went from eight to 30 to 40 to 50 to 100 dancers until this year. The last one we did before the pandemic, we had... 200 dancers and we made $2 million in one night doing a burlesque show at Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. This year will be the 30th anniversary. We have over 150 dancers participating backstage, designers, choreographers, and we will hopefully make well over a million dollars. And we've made collectively since the first Broadway Bears to this date, I think something like $23 million for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And it all goes to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. It has inspired Vegas Bears, San Francisco Bears. We just did the second Italy Bears. We've done 10 versions of West End Bears. And all of these organizations are running money, raising money for AIDS organizations locally and to fight the stigma associated with HIV and AIDS. And that's, that's, sort, of, that's sort of what it does. That's phenomenal. I mean, it is phenomenal to hear you say that number and, and hear you say how it started to where it got, I, baby, you know, I did the Vegas Broadway Bears. Did you? I did. Did you show your ass? Of course I did, It's baby. a great ass. If you was, slide into my DMs me, was, if you want pictures of it, gotta, I have them. We got to uh -huh. make money, honey. It was honey. me and my prime. I was like, let's let's make some money for, for Broadway Bears. Babe, James, my husband right now is, you know, in his t late 20s. But when Thank he you. was in his early <laughs> 20s and was doing Chippendales, he was his his everything about him physically was just on point. And I always see photos of it and I go, how's come you wasted that on all your exes? I don't get Chippendales, James. You give him a heart. But you know what? I get his heart and that's heart. just much. That's much better. And that's that's what I'm you here still for. Get a, you still heart. get up pretty good. I you, mean, he it ain't bad, but guys. Also, it depends what you're into. Cause yeah, because like, for me, like I like when Jonathan has a couple extra cheeseburgers. Like I like a. Daddy he's always body. trying to so, feed me donuts. So you you getting you getting the daddy version of me, which I, think I love is the it. better version. But so but Broadway Bears. Let me tell you this. I remember the first time I went and saw it. It was with my late friend Michael Lang, who passed away. But since then, but we 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 went in 2001 or 2002 in new york to see it oh you were that young you must have lost your mind i had just moved to new york city from ohio like you know midwest oh theater God. kid just wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and michael goes and knowing i was the biggest musical theater freak in the world he and also being from ohio you didn't see many like attractive guys that were like also gay or also performers right it was like there were slim pickings in my town you get to the show and the whole Broadway Bears show happens where everyone's scantily clad and living their best, fiercest life. And everything's about raising money for AIDS and everyone's just talking about it openly. And I just remember looking at him and I just go, this happens? Like, I couldn't imagine a world where, like, this existed. And to be sitting there and watching it 
for the first time. It's it literally takes your breath away. So if you don't have tickets and you're listening to this or you, you, you want to go see it and you're debating, please, please, please go online. Check it out. You should go see the show because it's unbelievable. It is. It's unbelievable. You can go to broadwaycares.org. We're going to do the show on June 26th at uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, which is Gay Pride Sunday night here in New York City. Oh, wow. And, uh, it is going to be the gayest night of the year. That's right. We're celebrating 30 years of Broadway Bears. What a great way to celebrate Pride. Yeah. You can go to the Pier Dance. You can come to Broadway Bears. Then you can go with your friends to out dancing afterwards. You can just have the gayest night of your life. <laughs> you really can like and that's the theme of the show this month is the gayest time of our lives and speaking of that we are we're all about this is pride cast so we're all about celebrating pride and 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 talking about gay history and in order for us to know where we're going in the world with our history we always have to remember where we came from so we like to do a little segment jerry that we call this week in gay history james what do we have this week in gay history all right so this one actually we chose because we know we're talking to jerry mitchell in new york basically like the king of new york at this point this is a new york history moment so let's take it back to this week in 1926 the Greenwich Village Ball took place. It was an extravagant ball at Webster Hall. I, our producer gave us the address, so it must be iconic. So I'm going to say 119 East 11th Street in New York City. Yes. Yeah. So these balls were a common thing back in the 1920s. What was cool about it was it was a place where queer individuals could come and be themselves and safely be themselves. And they were originally invited by different groups that were having these parties. And then that eventually led to the gay and queer community throwing their own parties where, I mean, this is the 1920s. Guys were coming in drag. They were coming and just to be expressing themselves and and being themselves and dancing with one another. And it was, it was a, I guess like the, the kind birth of- birth of a movement. It was really the birth of a movement, but like you have to think about like, we talk about this history stuff so we can realize where we're at now and how far we've come and make sure that we learn from it. They were able to do this in the 1920s because they were paying off the police. They were doing everything they could to keep from being raided, to keep from being stopped. And so now like when we get to have these beautiful moments where we get mm. to enjoy each other's company and be ourselves, like we got to remember like the work. I recently read something about the balls at Webster Hall in the 20s. And you know, have you been watching the new HBO series Gilded Age? Yes. So a lot of the very wealthy families attended these balls. They went down there and attended these balls because the Astors and the others went to these balls, not because their family members were gay, but maybe that's why, but also because it was such a celebration of life and something that was not going on, you know, in other places openly. And um, I was reading something about it. I read it online. I'll have to find it and send it to you. But there's something about they they were being attended by some of the aristocrat, aristocrats of New York at the period. You know what? By the way, our, we did. that's where we did Peep Show at Webster Hall. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So that is an we iconic had, We had two Broadway bears at, at Webster Hall. The Bears Show on Earth, seven and eight Peep Show, which then was the Peep Show that came to Vegas. Starring Mel B and Holly Madison. Wow, think oh about that. Gosh. So like the nineteen like the nineteen twenties, this was all starting and, and it led to being able to have something like Peep Show and Broadway Bears there. So you always gotta think about what the people before us did and be very appreciative of what they did to get us to where we are. So thank you to the gay elders yes. that were throwing down in the 1920s. And here we are on Pridecast. I, I want to ask you, Jerry, because it means so much to so many different people. And it always means it's a different definition for each person. 
we like to ask, what does pride mean to Jerry Mitchell? Um, I think for me personally, the journey of being proud and being gay from where I came in Michigan, where I didn't know a single gay person when I was growing up, there was no will and grace, right? I'm a, I'm a little older than you boys, not much, but a little older, not much. but, but you know, the, 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 the idea that I was always proud, I just didn't know there was anyone like me. And suddenly I got to college in St. Louis. And that was the first time I met another gay person. And then I got to in New York City, and I met so many young gay lesbian people. It was also the beginning of the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s, which inspired me to do Broadway Bears. But the pride is really in celebrating when, you know, I do say full out, but this month I spell it F U L L lowercase, uppercase O U T. Because yes. the truth is, you have to live your truth. You have to be completely out, completely. You have to let people know who you are and what you stand for and what you believe. And it's the only way to live a full life, whatever it is, right? Live your truth, live full out, and the rest will take care of itself. No, oh, that's so beautiful. I, I identify with that so much because, you know, you, what you just said with the will and grace, it really triggered something in me. Being an actor, and you'll probably understand this because you've probably seen other actors as well and yourself being on, in shows, it... The, there was a difference between growing up and being, I was in movies like mean girls and you know, all my children and all the soaps and all the things that I worked on for years. This was pre glee. This was pre the Ryan Murphy effect, right? This was yeah. when it wasn't, it wasn't so okay for your male leads to be out and gay and living their full life and doing yeah. what they, what they want to do. And then all of a sudden all those shows happen and the Ryan Murphy effect and all the other things happen. And they say, okay, now it's fine. Everyone can be out. And we have some actors like me and some of my friends are sitting here who have been had to be shoved in the closet because we we're told we weren't allowed to do that. And then all of a sudden you have everyone saying, okay, it's fine. And we're like, wait, guys, what about us? Like you told us not to, but now you're saying we can. So then we have to figure out how to live full out. And we have to figure out that journey of how to come out again. Right. Yeah. You have so your original gotta, come out. Make that adjustment a second time and make it publicly when it was something you always were and wanted to be, but were told by the people in your business that it would hurt your career. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And when you have, when you have everyone handing you everything being like, when you've worked your whole life, like I've always wanted to be an actor my whole life. And when you've worked your whole life for it and you're given the opportunity to shine and you're finally, you've, you've, you know, quote unquote made it. And they're like, you can keep all this as long as they don't know who you are. Cause the minute yeah. they find out this whole thing goes away. So you'll do anything to protect that because it's your whole dream. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now the, the term full out, it is one of my favorite things. Anyone that works with Jerry Mitchell knows of the term full out. It is on his Instagram. It is what you use daily. It is probably one of my favorite, uh, I want to say branded moments for someone. I would call it a branded moment for you because everyone that works with you, when they talk, they, they use it in their day-to-day -day language. So explain where it comes from and what it means because it's just I, such part of, of, of theater culture. I've been using the term with dancers for 40 years and I just scream it when I expect them to go for it all the way. Don't hold back. No marking full out. Show me everything full out all every, every ounce of energy you have put it into the number, right? 
it's kind of how I dance anyways, as a person, when I'm, when I was a dancer, I never marked, I was probably, people probably hated me when I was young because I was, they probably called me spastic, really. I can identify, so yes, loud. But, I can identify. you know, you know, I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, Ann Miller was full out, right? Every time I saw her dance, she was full out when I danced with her. Sid Charisse was full out. I danced with her, you know, old school, full out. Yeah, absolutely. Full out, no marking, always. I always say you can mark when you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can mark when you're dead. Um, before we go, Jerry, we want to do a couple things. We want to shine our big gay spotlight on someone. Every week, we pick someone in the LGBTQ plus community to shine our big gay spotlight on that's doing things that are extraordinary for the community. Maybe it's someone that's famous. Maybe it's someone you don't know. But the point is, we want everyone to know how awesome this person is. James, who are we shining our big gay spotlight on today? All right. I'm shining my big gay spotlight on, I hope I say her last name correct, Tina Kotek. Now, she's hoping to make political history again. So she was the country's first out lesbian speaker of a state house of representatives back in 2013. She broke barriers once again now because in Oregon, she is the Democratic nomination for governor. So that would make her the first lesbian governor in the United States of America if she wins this race. That's pretty cool because... Yeah. That just shows we are making progress in all kinds of places, including Oregon. <laughs> Jerry, is there anyone you want to shine your big gay spotlight on? Oh, no, there's no one. No I one. OK, I got it. it on, I want to shine it in the whole city of New York and the whole country, really, for this safe and happy and wonderful Pride Month. I love and, it. Yeah, it's important. I love it. Oh, speak, speaking of pride, I, I want to ask you a question because we ask this to everybody, Jerry. What? is the best part about being part of the LGBTQ plus community. What's your, what's the best part of being gay? The margaritas. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they do love a heavy pour. <laughs> Probably the dance moves for me. It really is. It really is. I mean, gays, we just dance better. We just do and and it's because we have more sass and sass in our step and and i think that's we a dance good thing better and we dance longer even older that's right because you know what we are what full out we that's live right. a full out life jerry mitchell jerry, thank you, you so much for joining us on this episode guys, of Pridecast. I, I love you i love you guys so much and i'm so glad i was here and i'm sorry i was late but boy i'm so happy you're doing this it's so important we will always wait for you we will always <laughs> wait for you except if it's a five minute till curtain, then the curtain's going up whether you're there or not. All right. I hope I see you in L.A. soon. All right. Go check out National Tour of Hairspray. Go check that out. Go watch. Go go online. Look up Broadway Bears Equity Fights. It's AIDS. happening next. They're week. all happening right now. Live in person. Check them out. Go get tickets. Go see the shows. Jerry Mitchell. Thank you so much. And our small reminder to everyone as we leave Pridecast to remind everyone to be proud of who you are. And remember, you are never too much and you're always enough. Baby, you sped me through my story at the beginning as soon as I said I had a crush on the guy I did the scene yeah, with. Yeah, because I'm your dogs. husband and we had Jerry Mitchell waiting. So <laughs> why do you think I sped you through? But you want to tell the your story? Tell me the guys and dolls story. Was, Go ahead. Tell me. Was it. that I got to be on stage with somebody that I had a crush on and I never locked eyes with somebody in a moment like that until that moment. And everybody remembers their first gay moment of like different things along the way. Right. And I remember my first gay moment literally taking the, the pitch out of my mouth because when I locked eyes with him and was like, oh, he's cute. I 
forgot completely how to sing in that moment. And that is my guys and dolls experience. And baby, the way that he took the pitch right out of my mouth is the way you take my breath away every time I see you, every single second of every single day. So you don't got to worry about if I had a crush on somebody when I was 14 years old, guys and dolls. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm throwing up right now. We'll see you guys on the next episode of Pridecast. Bye. Bye, y'all. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.